So what we're going to do the rest of the time is to share some thoughts about the quality of attention we bring to our to the object of our mindfulness. And that practice, uh, it's, an, it's a fantastic practice, and it's an especially fantastic practice for clarity, for awareness and clarity. I think the teacher Shinzen Young, who I mentioned before, defines mindfulness as having three components. The first component is concentration, meaning your ability to focus. The second component is sensory clarity, meaning you know what is making up your experience at any moment. Let's say if it's this kind of feeling, or these words in your head, or these images. And the final one is equanimity, your ability to open fully to your experience, whatever it is. And it's that piece that I want to focus on at the moment, because I know from my own experience that sometimes we forget, or at least sometimes I've forgotten about that last piece, and focus in an unbalanced way on just the sensory clarity and the concentration. So I could label very quickly seeing, hearing, seeing feeling, seeing, hearing, and not uh, bringing much attention to the way that I'm experiencing and engaging those experiences. So we're used to our inner experience being dictated by our outer experience, which is to say, when there's pleasant things happening outside, or when it's nice weather outside, then it's nice weather inside. And when there's unpleasant things happening outside, or unpleasant weather outside, then it's also unpleasant weather inside. And, uh, and when it's nice, we try and hang on to that. And when it's not nice or not pleasant, then we try and get rid of it. And that's a, a, just a result of evolution, that pleasant things represent opportunities, so we would want to hang on to them, and unpleasant things represent threats, which is why we, we would want to get rid of them. It's also the reason for our negativity bias, that we pay more attention to what's unpleasant, because Threats are usually more urgent than opportunities. Meaning if something's about to jump on you and take your life, it's very urgent that you get out of the way. But if there's something here and you don't eat it, you're not going to die right away. So the opportunity can, can wait. And it's very important to, to be aware of that negativity bias. There's a meditation teacher and neuroscientist named Rick Hansen who said that our, our minds are like Velcro for the negative and Teflon for the positive. And yet, we can shift that habitual way of paying attention to the world by training ourselves in different ways, by training ourselves, for instance, in savoring and taking in the positive. Anytime there's a positive experience, and I don't mean by that a simcha, when somebody gets married, also that, but a positive experience of a simple 
tasty food or the sun's shining or there's a flower and taking more time than usual to take in the positivity of that experience and let it fill our whole being. And in time, as we make a, a habit and a way of being, of doing that, then it shifts things in the brain so that our whole habitual way of being in the world also shifts. And, and so does our, our experience in life. Uh, and one of the, in my mind, one of the fundamental practices in that work is a practice of gratitude practice of gratitude, which is so central, perhaps the central midah, or central orientation in our tradition. And we see it all over the place. There's the pasuk where, uh, where Moshe says, Uma Hashem Rokhachem Sho'el Mimchan is that it? How does it go? I thought you meant something else. Something to that effect. And it's from, it's from that pasuk that, um, even if I haven't quoted it exactly, that the rabbis uh, make the drash al-tikra ma'ila ma'a. And that we should say brachot every day. They say don't read what, but they put in an aleph into that what, and they say that, and then the, then it uh, spells now one hundred, and we should say one hundred brachot a day, and that that is actually the means to the to the other part, to the part of yirah of yiratshamayim, yiratshamayim, which is an awareness, the most fundamental awareness the says, of our very being. It's the awareness of, of being, of, of the consciousness, uh, of the kind of existential contingency or existential giftedness of being, that being in every moment is a gift, and it keeps coming to us, and it keeps coming to us. Uh, and the way to cultivate that consciousness, or at least one of the ways, and in my mind, one of the most beautiful technologies and Judaism is, uh, is of brachot. Because if you imagine, I once calculated a number of years ago, if you say a hundred brachot every day, over the course of 25 or 30 years, you say a million brachot. And just thinking of that number, doing something a million times, and doing it with consciousness, you can dig a mighty, mighty, deep and profound hole. Like, uh, yeah. Instead of hole, I suggested uh, uh, the ill. Yeah, oh, yeah, much better. As, as I said, that it's like, it doesn't feel quite right to say hole. Yeah, you can dig a mighty well, a really profound well. And that's actually a much more appropriate word because bracha is connected to brecha, to the wellspring or to the source. And that's actually what it's about. That's what that consciousness does for us is the consciousness of source. And in the same way that in this practice we were doing before, we talked about um, opening to trust, to trusting that in each moment the wisdom and the, and the awareness will be there and that we don't need to hang on to what we had just a moment before. So that's also 
the trust that we're working on in our lives and the trust of that there is a source and that every moment that source is providing us, it's that trust which we can come to. It's that trust which in my mind is part of the training of the man in the midbar, in the wilderness, when we're given man, manna each day and told not to hang on to it because it, it rots. In a way, also, we rot when we hang on to things. We lose some of our vitality and some of our aliveness, which, come, which just flows into us when we totally let go and open to the full, fullness of what's in each moment. I know that of my own experience, when I let go and trust and just kind of act as a mouthpiece for whatever, is being, whatever insight is being delivered in that moment. Maybe you know also in therapy, when you're, when you're kind of in the zone and you're feeling and you're open to, your, to the depths of intuition and it just comes, then that, those are always the greatest insights and the greatest, it's the greatest humor which comes in that way. It's the greatest playfulness. It's the greatest feeling of aliveness. And it's that, it's that trust and it's a training against the very, something very fundamental into a, in us which wants to be safe, which wants to hold on and to build walls and to know that I'm safe and at some point, at some point I'll have made enough money and I don't have to work anymore, at some point I'll be healthy and, and there's a kind of this constant hoping that the work will be done. And, uh, and the work won't be done in that way, but the Pasuk in, in Mishle says, Al tiga kapecha. al tisha'en. I think that's what it says. Don't, um, don't weary your hand in, in your work, and don't rely on your kind of intellectual understanding. It doesn't, it's not saying don't do any work, but don't work in a way which is wearisome. There's a way of working where we're in a kind of natural flow, where we're, where we're serving. I think that's the deep meaning of Avodat Hashem. You just kind of align yourself and, and uh, surf the wave of, of being by letting go, letting go into it. Um, the, uh, we say every day in, in the Shema, in the first line of the Shema, Ve'afta et Adonai Elohecha, v'chol v'avcha, v'chol nakshacha, v'chol me'elecha. And we should love the Divine with all your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your me'elecha. And I think it's important there, as with a lot of tefillah, to see that as an instruction, as really an instruction in contemplative practice or in a way of living. For one, it's just saying, live fully. That's a, such an intense language. How many of us actually live that way? Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a very beautifully childlike way of, of living totally because they haven't exiled parts of themselves and aren't caught up, hopefully, when they're healthy and all these other kind of protective acts and acts of image. Uh, and the, the Mishnah in, in Brachot fleshes out that last one, Bechol Meodacha, and it says, Bechol Midao Mida Shu Modelacha, have a modelo bimaod meod. That in every measure, every single measure that He meets out to you, that is given to you, that God gives to you, 
be very, very grateful. And we, and we can see that as the macro situations of, of our lives, or we can really see it as, as every moment which is being given to you. The experience of every moment is what, you're, is what we're being given. Like the Magnetic Message says, that every, everything that is given to us in every moment comes to awaken us. It comes to awaken us if we see it as an opportunity to awaken, if we use it as an opportunity to shift our, our relationship. And I think that, that that practice of gratitude, which is really a stance, posture, and that towards life, undoes both of the previous two evolutionary uh, habits that I mentioned before. The one that it, the first that it undoes is clinging, is the attempt, the achiza, trying to hold on to something. And the way that gratitude undoes clinging is that it acknowledges source and reception. Meaning, I think on a subconscious level, when we're clinging, there's some kind of understanding that I need to keep clinging in order to stay alive. And if I let go, then, then that will be dangerous. And as we were speaking before, it's actually the opposite. That life has its own flow, and its own power, and our greatest power actually comes in letting go into that. And it's not that we die then, or that life stops, but that we allow it to unfold through us. That's also the... Uh, the orientation or the direction of Avram Avinu. And as the Zohar connects him to the mode of being that's played out in Bereshit, in the second story of creation, where we say, Eile toldot shemayim And that hibaran, that these are, this is the kind of generative unfolding of the heaven and, and earth. Not as it was in the first story, where there's a kind of puppet master putting things down, but it's behibaran. It's like they're like coming out of a fountain or out of a well, and then kind of garden springs out from that. And and hibaran is the letters of Abraham. And they say that the hay in that word hibaran is the hay which was given to Abraham uh, at the brit, uh, at the covenant. And, and in my understanding, and understanding from my teacher of Daniel, that's actually, uh, uh, the brit is actually, the covenant is about a way of being which is living in the dynamic dance with the divine. That it is a commitment to be in that flow. And the reason that we need a covenant and a commitment is because there's a kind of uh, evolutionary havamina, or default programming, of trying to hold on and trying to keep things static and trying to and trying to plan, which is the which is the opposite mode. Uh, and so we train to track, to trust, and relax our our grip, uh, as we did with the man, and as we do in cultivating that sense of being gifted through brachot. Often people say they're gifted and they think it's something about entitlement, but being gifted means somebody is giving you a gift. And uh, if somebody is giving a gift, then I think at least we can unwrap it. Mm -hmm. And then what I was thinking is that 
the gift, I don't know if it's as much the content of what you discover when you unwrap it, or the gift is the consciousness that comes about through relating to everything as a gift. And the openness and the, and the curiosity and the engagement with life, which, which comes up for us as we do that. And then the second piece, and I know we need to finish, is, uh, is undoing resistance. Uh, and gratitude undoes the resistance because we don't push away things for which we're grateful. And so, uh, and so uh, in our practice we can see, we can start to decouple the external stimulus and the inner response as we did by practicing that sense of love and then inviting different objects of attention into into that love. Or you can stand, if you, if you stand in nature where you have a sense of expansiveness and openness, and then you look down at the floor, or you hold that, or at the ground, and you hold that expansiveness within you, and you see that it can exist even when its external stimulus isn't there. Which is in truth the way things are. The, the universe extends just as much in that direction, down to the floor, as it does in that direction towards the sky. We just become habituated to our surroundings in a way where this feels solid, and so we feel closed in. But we can change that. The Baal Shem Tov says, The same letters, that through accepting difficult things or pain with joy, the pain, Tzara, is transformed into a world acceptance, Ratsa. That basically we don't have to be slaves to our instincts and slaves to our habit. That we can we can really rewire the connections of our brain and the orientation to our experience. Like Rabbi Nachman says, when you're in the Simcha, the joy of dancing, then you can invite your demons to dance with you as well. So that really we can with that practice, practice of, of letting go, practice of, of gratitude and the opening and the appreciation that comes with it, we can really come to live life where uh, life molds us into a beautiful being. And the molding happens through all of our experience, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, as we let it in. That's the last thing I'll say, avodah, that's the, I guess the traditional word for spiritual practice. The Rav Zalman says that in Hasidut, they talk about the nature of avodah in the term orotnu badim, or we say in English, hand height, that, that the orot, the leather, starts out very hard and coarse, but in a time for the working of it, it becomes soft and pliant. So that's what our Avodah should do to us. That as we let things in, we open to experience them fully, to touch them, to allow them to touch us. So we also become like the Oatmul Vadim, we become soft and pliant in our own way. Well, that will be all for today.